You feel the grace of God washing over you? I praise the Lord for it. I'm so thankful for the freedom that we have. No more bondage. Having to look forward to. Are you glad you're saved this morning? Thank God for His amazing grace. I praise the Lord for the freedom that we have. I want you to take your Bible, if you would, turn to Psalm. The 18th Psalm, if you would. Glad you're here this morning. I do want to ask the question of why you're here this morning. Why did you walk through the doors? Why are you seated where you're at? What's the purpose behind it? I hope the reason you came today, number one, would be the fact that um, you want your faith to grow. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's important that we open the Word of God. But I hope you also came this morning that you would join together with us as we give praise to the Lord, as we corporately worship together, as we lift up the name of the Lord together. And this morning I want to talk about how we are to declare God's worth. Declaring God's worth. It's something we see throughout the Bible. It's something you see from the very beginning all the way to the very end of the Bible. It's not something that's compartmentalized to a certain dispensation of the Bible. It is something that God wants for every one of His children to do, is to declare His worth. And really when we're talking about declaring His worth, we're talking about worshiping the Lord. And I want us to look here, and once again, in Psalm 18, verses 3 and verse 46, just very quickly, we just got through singing these these words, but in verse 3 it says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Worship. What does that mean? I guess the first question should be is why should we define worship? Why spend time defining it? Is it really a big deal? I mean, isn't it more important that we just simply worship? Why should we define it? You know, it's hard for us to know whether or not we're doing something if we're not sure what something is. If we don't know what it is, then what exactly are we doing? If I define eating, and I say define, my definition of eating is that you sit there and you watch it. And you watch the beautiful thing, the the heat that comes up from it, the steam that rises from it. And you sit there and you smell it. It smells so wonderful. If that was my definition of eating, and that's all there was to the definition of eating, was sitting there and watching it, you probably would not enjoy coming to my house for dinner. I wouldn't enjoy it either, by the way. But I think it's important that you understand the definition, and when you talk about a word, what does it mean? How about breathing? If breathing is something I only do when I get with a group of people on Sunday morning, then how do I describe what I do the rest of the week? Are you breathing this morning? Say amen. The rest of you, take a breath. It's all right. You're going to make it. Take a big breath. Breathing is important. But it's not something I just do on Sunday morning. It's not something that we do just when we get together. But I hope you do breathe when we're together. Please. We'll talk more about that in a minute. You know, when someone refers to worship, they can be talking about any number of things. We live in a world today that they talk about worship, and there's all kinds of definitions to it. Some people, they define worship as a time of singing. Some define worship as a meeting. Some define worship as a style of music. Some would define it as a certain type of religious liturgy. A mystic experience, perhaps. 
Some would say it's in contrast to praise. You have praise and worship. Praise then worship. Some would look at it and say, well, it's a type of Christian, Christian band, a worship band. Some would even use comments like these to define worship. <laughs> See if you can, um, maybe you've heard people say things like this. By, like, for instance, by the third song, we were really worshiping. So what were you doing the first two songs is what I want to know. How about this one? Worship gets me to the place where I don't have to think about anything. What? Listen, worshiping God actually requires thinking very clearly about the Word, about His works, about the worthiness of God. How about this one? Will there be worship at the meeting? What? Definitely there's going to be worship. The question is going to be determined of what's going to be worshipped. It's a better question. How about this? With only 20 minutes, we really didn't have time to get into worship. As though we have to warm up to worship God. Rather than seeking to honor Him with our every thought, with our every action. How about this one? Fred's going to be leading the worship on Sunday. Well, I hope everybody else joins Fred. You know, I mean, you think about that. How about this one? Susie's a real worshiper. I'm not talking about you, Sue, all right? I'm just making this up, all right? Susie's a real worshiper. I mean, what people mean by that normally is she physically is expressive when she sings songs of praise to God. Whether that means she's a worshiper of God or not requires a little bit more information. We really don't know. Now, please don't misunderstand these comments I'm making today. I'm not encouraging anyone to become the word police. There's nothing more obnoxious than for the preacher to get up and for somebody to grab one word and to stay on that one word because the preacher didn't say the name exactly right (laughs) or they didn't do it exactly the way they should and they're going to be stuck on that the rest of the sermon and they can't wait to get to the preacher to say, hey, i got to show you this. Now, by the way, I love when people are so intent in studying the Word of God with you that they want to share a truth with you. But there's a big difference between that and the correction of a word that you're stuck on the entire time. We're not, I'm not talking about that. I don't want to produce a bunch of word police to say, are we really worshiping by looking at and trying to parse every single thing? But I think it's important that we do understand what worship really is. So what is the definition of worship in the biblical context? What is this talking about? Our word in the English language is, it comes from an old English word, worship. W-O-R-S-C-H-I-P-E. Or worth-ship. It literally means to declare the worth. To declare the worth. Worship is expressing value. So when we worship God and how we worship God, it declares, it expresses God's worth to us. That's exactly what we're doing. What is He worth to us? There was a little boy pulled on the preacher's hand to get his attention. You can picture it, some little boy grabbing my hand, pulled down that preacher's hand, and the preacher said, yes, what do you want, sonny? He says, well, preacher, when I get older, I'm going to give you a bunch of money. He says, why are you going to give me a bunch of money when you get older? It's nice that you do that, but why would you want to do that? He says, because my dad says you're the poorest preacher he's ever heard, and I want to help you out. Hmm. You see, we all place value on almost anything, don't we? How valuable is worship to you? How valuable is it? Did you know that worship is about value? It's all about value. What's it worth Worship demonstrates the value that we place upon our God. How valuable is God to you? You see, the frequency of our worship, the passion of our worship, the nature of our worship declares the value that we place upon the Lord. If our worship is infrequent or inconsistent, if our worship is cold, if our worship is, is, I mean, complacent, if it's fruitless, if it's faithless, and the value of our worship is not very much for our Lord. You see, we place too little value upon God. 
Did you hear about the church? Somebody in church dialed 911 because somebody stopped breathing in the church. The EMTs responded. They brought four people out before they found the person they actually called about that was dead laying there. Shouldn't be that way. I know it's a joke and I'm having fun with it. But it shouldn't be something when we come together and we are corporately worshiping the Lord together that it's a dead situation for us where we don't see any connection to what we're actually doing as actually lifting up the name of the Lord. Death or dead or lack of breath of life. Does that describe the condition of your worship? Does that describe your relationship with God? And by the way, we're going to find as we study this today and look at this, there's a connection between the two, your relationship with God and what happens here on Sunday morning. Because what happens here on Sunday morning is a direct result of what is happening during the week in your relationship with God. And what happens here on Sunday morning then is going to have a direct relationship with what happens in the week in your relationship with God. It's a circle that goes together. You see, worship, which is breathing, is alive, it's vibrant, it's moving. And it's all determined by the worth that we place upon our God. I want you to stand. Look here if you would. Let's look at Psalm 18 once again. Jump back if you would. Go ahead and stand up. Let's all stand if you would for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 18. Psalm 18. Look at verse number 1. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust. My buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for being God. Not just a God or a Father of God's. But God, you are God Almighty. You are the one and only true God. And you are worthy of our worship. Lord, I pray that we would worship you with our lives. Our lives would be a symphony of praise unto you and you'd be glorified in what we do. Lord, help us to grow. I pray, Lord, that we would give more worth to you. We would demonstrate it, proclaim it, let people see it. Lord, speak to our hearts this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would truly be worshipped here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Here we see this is a psalm of David. And when David, he thought about the Lord, his Lord, he says here that he is worthy of his praise. He's worthy of my praise. And It's only natural that I worship you. And you read these words, you see it's just a natural outflowing. He he knows who he is. He knows what he has done. When he's reminiscent about all that God had done in his life, he once again says he is worthy. He is worthy. God had been so good to him. You think about David, a shepherd boy. God had called him out from a field full of shepherds, you might say. All kinds of shepherds that are out there. He called him out. He sat him upon a throne. He kept him secure from his enemies. He forgave him of his sins, which were numerous. Yes, God, he is worthy is what David is saying here. In Psalm 42, verse 4, the psalmist says, When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Went to the house of God. The multitude. Voice of joy and praise. Kept that day a special day. This was something that happened as an outpouring of what was going on in his life through the rest of the time of his life. And he came and he lifted up the name of the Lord. Let me ask you, is God worthy of your worship? Is God worthy of our worship? Has he done anything for you that makes him worthy of your worship? 
I would just love this morning for us to truly come to the place where we are overwhelmed with the glory and the grace and the mercy and the love of God. Where we would come to the place, we'd come to the end of ourselves and stop worrying about anybody else or anything else. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about not worrying about the Word of God. I'm talking about what people think. Where we would come to the place where we would allow for ourselves to be filled to the brim, where we're overflowing and realizing how great and good God is. Has God blessed you? Has God saved you? Is He worthy of your worship? Then why don't we worship Him the way we should? Why not give Him the worship He deserves? You see, if we place great value and worth upon God, then our worship is going to be more sincere, more real. When I say sincere, I'm not talking about putting on some outward thing that people would say, well, Susie really knows how to worship. Not all worship looks the same on the outside. All worship looks the same, though, right down in this heart. Not everybody worships the Lord the exact same way as far as how it looks. I'm talking about corporately. I'm talking about the way it looks and appears. But I believe that every single one of us, we could come to a place in our life and realize that we need to give more worth to the Lord. We ought to worship Him more than we do. We ought to give Him more glory than we do, more praise than we do. This morning, I want for us to look at this whole idea concerning worship. I'm asking that God would allow our hearts to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that we would listen as He speaks to us, that we would honor Him in a life that would bring honor to Him and worship to Him. And if we're going to talk about worship, the first thing we have to do is determine God's worth. Determine God's worth. Why is God worthy of our worship? Why should we worship God? The first reason I want to just bring to you today is this, is that because of His character we ought to worship God. Because of His character. Job said in Job 33.12, I will answer thee that God is greater than man. God is bigger than we are. We did not create God. God is almighty. God is all-powerful. God is sovereign. God is sitting on the throne. And He is in control. And He is worthy of our worship just for the fact of who He is. He is almighty God. He is greater than we are. 2 Samuel 7.22 says, Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God. For there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears he is greater than any other God. Now we today, we don't look at idol worship the same way perhaps they did then, but we ought to. There's all kinds of idol worship that's going on in our world today. And in many Christians' lives, there's all kinds of idol worship. And we need to come to the place that there, we need to realize that there is neither any other God beside thee. There is only one God. And we worship only Him. We don't worship men. We don't worship money. We don't worship fame. We worship God alone. Is there any God beside thee according to all that we have heard with our ears? No, there's not. In Deuteronomy 4.39, it says, Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, He is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. Can we make that statement ourselves today? Do we believe that today? That He is God alone. There is none else. And if that statement is true, and I believe with all of my heart that it is, He is worthy of our worship. In Psalm 86.10 it says, For Thou art great, and doest wondrous things. Thou art God. What's the next word? Alone. Thou art God alone. You're great God. God, you do great things. God, you're God alone. Psalm 118, verse 28. Thou art my God, and I will praise Thee. Thou art my God, 
I will exalt thee. It's personal, folks. It's my God. He's my God. I will praise him. Listen, I can't praise God for you. I can't worship God for you. God is my God. Is he your God? We ought to worship him as an individual personally between us and God. He is our God. We worship him because of his character. We can go on all day about that, but I want to move on. I want to talk about the fact that we ought to worship him because of his creation. Because of his creation. He created us. He made us. We're not the creator. We are the created. God created us. And I love when you go to Revelation chapter 4 and you see the scene that is set there and there as we're there before the throne. One day, if you're a child of God, you'll be there and you'll be saying these words and singing these songs. In Revelation 4.11 it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. That's why we were created. That's why we exist. For his pleasure. For him, because he is our creator. We are his workmanship. He made us. And yes, we're created for his glory. For his pleasure. Psalm 148, verse 5, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. It's just a word. He spoke it all into existence. You see how great God is and you see all that He has made. And He just spoke it all into existence. He is worthy of our worship. In Colossians 1.16 it says, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. He created everything. Everything is created. And all of creation all of creation, the Bible talks about in Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth His handiwork. I walked out this morning and the sun hadn't come up yet. And I saw, looked up and see the stars. Looked up and saw, there's the big full moon over here. And you think about the majesty and the creation that God has made and beyond our comprehension that right now they spent a billion dollars to put a telescope up into orbit that's looking and seeing what man has never seen before. And all they're seeing is the handiwork of Almighty God and the beautiful artwork that He made and He spoke it all into existence. He is worthy of our worship. He is Almighty God. He is God alone. He created us. He created us in His image. An amazing thought. We ought to worship Him. Not only because of who He is but, and what He has done, but also because He is compassionate. Because of His compassion. We see God's worth in the, the beginning of His creation. We see Him building all that He did. And, but we further see His worth after the creation. Remember the very, he created the, 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 the highest part of his creation was when he created man, when he took the dust of the ground and he, he formed man and he, he said, let us make man in our image and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. And he had Adam there, and, and then he remember how he created Eve from Adam and he made Eve as a helpmeet to Adam. And gave them a job there in the beautiful place that God had created where there was no sin, there was no evil, there was nothing that was there to mar that beautiful creation that God had made there in the Garden of Eden. Gave them a job to take care of the Garden of Eden, to, to be fruitful and to multiply, have children, and to be able to have fellowship with God. You remember the story. How that man fell, disobeyed God, ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet we see there after that, God comes walking through the garden calling the name, Adam, here's Almighty God, the holy, holy, holy God. He walks down and through the garden as He did in the, the cool of the day as He did time before. And He walks and He says, Adam, 
Here we see a holy God, a righteous God, a sinless God, knowing what Adam had already done. And he comes down in compassion and seeks Adam out. Adam. You see, God takes the initiative. He's the one who takes the first step toward reconciliation. He loved him. He loved her. He loves us. But God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. He is worthy. He's worthy of our worship. He's so compassionate toward us. In Psalm 78, 38, But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. I'm so thankful today for that. I'm so thankful today that God is full of compassion, that God is a forgiving God. Psalm 86.15 But thou, O Lord, art a a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Psalm 145, verse 8, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. Boy, I'm thankful for that today. And if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for that, even if I was here, there'd be no hope of heaven. There'd be no hope of forgiveness. I'm so thankful for God being compassionate towards us. Of course, when we say that, we have to think then about the cross. Because of his cross, we ought to worship him. What Christ did for us, for every single one of us, for every single sinner that's ever walked the face of this earth, that means every single man, woman, boy, and girl that's ever walked the face of this earth, Christ died on that Calvary's cross for them. John 19, 17, and he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew, Golgotha. Christ went there for me. He went there for you. He's worthy of our worship. He paid a sin debt I could not pay. For the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's me. That's you. We all fall short of God's glory. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why He died. And for those who have trusted in Christ as their personal Savior, listen, they've been born again. They are a child of God. They are now on their way to heaven. And one day, once again, as we look at the beautiful picture there in Revelation, you look at chapter 5, we see in verse number 9, and it's talking about those who have been saved, and they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou was slain and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred tongue and people and nation. Thou art worthy. He's worthy of our worship. There's going to be people get to heaven and not going to know what to do at this point. They're not going to know how to lift up holy hands unto the Lord and worship Him. And I'm not saying you have to do that. Don't do it in the flesh. But if God's speaking to your heart, don't do it in the, don't not do it in the flesh. Sit there and sit on your hands because you're worried about what other people are going to think. Shame on you. Shame on me. I can't wait to this day. Singing that new song. Being able to cry out, Thou art worthy. Lord, you're the one that's worthy to open that book. You're the one that paid the debt. You paid it. You paid it. You're worthy of our worship. Thou art worthy. Verse 12. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He's worthy. 
Hey, listen, we don't have to wait till we get to Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, by the way, to worship the Lord this way. We don't have to wait till we get there to say, Lord, you're worthy. Lord, thank you so much for what you've done for me. Lord, thank you so much for being compassionate. Thank you so much for being such a great and big and holy God, and yet you've forgiven me. We don't have to wait till we get there. We've been born again. You ought to give, the, to, to give praise to the name of the Lord. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. So how does that look in our life? How do we demonstrate God's worth? How do we show worship in our life? We see the worth. I hope you see the worth of God today, that he's worthy of our worship. So how do we demonstrate his worth? First of all, we demonstrate his worth by our profession. By our profession. This is the first and vital step towards demonstrating that God is worthy. You see, we must possess and profess faith in Him. It all starts with you possessing what God has done. The Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. I'm going to ask you again, have you been saved today? Say amen. Amen. You You are holding on to something that came at such a great price. And I'll tell you what, what a shame for people to know that Jesus Christ died for them. I've talked to people just like this. They say, yes, I believe Jesus Christ died. I believe that he rose again, but I'm not ready to accept that gift yet. I'm not ready to be saved yet. I'm not ready to be born again yet. Hey, listen, you want to give proper worship to God, accept the gift that he's paid for at such a great cost and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, realizing that you're a sinner, realizing you deserve to die and go to hell. But God, who is a holy God, loves you enough to send his son to die for you. He's reaching out to you. Hey, listen, take his hand, receive Christ as your Savior. That's the first step of true worship. Acknowledging what Christ has done for you and believing what He did for you and accepting it by faith. Man, I remember the day that I did. What a wonderful, wonderful choice. Best decision I made in my entire life. We must possess it. But we also must profess it. That will be something that we talk about. It will be something that's seen in our life. People ought to see it. We'll come back to that in just a moment. So how do we show worth to God? How do we worship Him? By profession, but also by participating. Participation. We show God by demonstrating His worth. How do we do that? We demonstrate His worth to us when we obey Him by participating in the things that please Him. We are created for His pleasure. We are created to bring honor and glory to God. And we please God and we bring honor to God. We show worth to God by when we do things that are for God, participating in things that please God. By the way, one of those things is exactly what's going on here right now. When we gather together and we assemble here as a church, it is pleasing to Him if when we come together that we come with a heart of worship unto the Lord. And we lift up His name. And we don't go through the motions. Listen, God hates it when people come together and all they do is just, okay, we've got to follow this, 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 and this. We punch the time card, we go home, and nothing's changed. There's something wrong with that. It honors Him when we praise Him, when we lift up His name, when we gather together, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. When we come together and we participate, and by the way, participation in the assembly should not be the end of our worship, but rather a beginning or perhaps a continuation, you might say. Like I said earlier, a continuation into the rest of the week. Hey, listen, if worship for you means Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, there's no worship happening Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. If that's all it is. If that's all it is. But it does happen at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning if you have the right heart. Amen. Yeah. It does. But if that's all it is, it's not real worship. So let's get focused on what it really is and be the example. Let's lead by example. Amen. If everybody else isn't doing it, you ought to be. 
Amen. Isn't that right? Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. Amen. So you can't blame somebody else for your lack of worship. You can't say they ain't doing it right, so I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I think God might judge that. I said might. I'm not God. But it sounds like something. If I, said to, if I had that type of attitude, I, I've seen by experience God judges that type of behavior. I will with my own kids. We need to worship God from our heart. And if nobody else is doing it, it shouldn't matter. Now we should be. We ought to be worshiping God. It is something that continues, though. It's something that is a continuation. It is something that is prepared for all week. It is something as you're reading the Word of God. It's something that as you are getting on your, in, in prayer, we're going to talk about it in a minute, but there's preparation. And you listen, you are preparing for that when you come together, that it's a great time where the family of God comes together and lifts up the name of their Father together and, and allows God to speak to their heart and praise God for what He has done. You praise Him through your activity. And when you leave this place, we praise Him by our activity of doing what God has told us to do. So demonstrating God's worth, we do it by participation. We do it by our profession. We do it by our posture. Our posture. You know the Hebrew word for worship itself tells us what our posture should be toward the Lord? It literally means to fall prostrate prostrate, or to bow down. To fall prostrate or to bow down. That's what the word actually means in Hebrew. Now, I know that there's a, a matter of bowing down within our heart in worshiping God. But you know, I truly believe that there ought to be times in our life when we fall down before God. And if it doesn't happen now, I guarantee you when you get to heaven, that's going to happen. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. There's going to come a time when you will bow down. But it ought to be something that should be just an outward flowing of what's happening within our heart, knowing what God has done and who He is and how He's forgiven us and the grace that, yes, as it pours over us and knowing what God has done for us, it just causes us to want to get on our face before God and say, God, You are worthy. God, thank You so much for what You've done. The psalmist said in Psalm 95, 6, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. When was the last time you bowed before him? Is this something that happens on a normal basis for you? I mean, if not, why not? He is God. He is King. He is Lord. We ought to bow and worship him. Next, we worship him by our praise. By our praise. At one church, one member said to the other church member, We don't praise the Lord of this church. And so the response back to that person was, yes, we do. Look at line number 17. Some of you get that. Things are so put together. This, boom, 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 boom. The liturgy go right down the line, and we're going to say praise be unto the Lord at this point, and it's nothing but dead. We ought to praise the Lord. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. 1 Chronicles 29, 13. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Psalm 9 verse 2. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. I will be glad, he says. That word glad, it means to make joy or to brighten up. Rejoice, it means to jump for joy. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. Using a lot of scripture today, I hope that's not a problem for you. Aren't you glad to hear the word of God today? Amen. Amen. Psalm twenty two twenty five. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. What's that talking about? I will pay my vows before thee that fear him. Hmm. I will praise. I shall praise. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. Hmm. I love our congregation. And I hope we're giving praise unto the Lord in our great congregation. 
Psalm 30, verse 12, to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. Psalm 33, verse 2, praise the Lord with a harp, sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Making praise unto the Lord in song, in the congregation. By the way, it's not just Sunday morning, though. Something that happens all through the week happens in our life. Next, we ought to give praise to God or demonstrate God's worth, worship to God, by our presence. Presence. First Chronicles 16, 29 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. Giving an offering unto the Lord. Worshiping Him by what we give unto the Lord. Psalm 96, verse 8. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Malachi 1.11, For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering. Giving of our offerings and praise unto God. Worshiping through our giving unto the Lord. And then, next, and I will say last in this, what we're looking at demonstrating God's worth, and definitely not the least, We demonstrate God's worth by our prayers. By our prayers. The psalmist said in Psalm 55, 17, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and He shall hear my voice. 1 Timothy 2, 8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Evening and morning and at noon. It's not talking about just Sunday morning, folks. It doesn't just talk about Sunday morning. It doesn't exclude it. We ought to be praying. This ought to be a place where we pray and, and talk to God and God speaks to us. When we give worship to God, I'm talking about not just here on Sunday, not just some prayer that you're praying in this room, but praying personally through the week. And perhaps that time we're talking about getting on your face before God and just telling God how great He is. Admiring God for who He is and what He has done. How God has been so good to you. How God has blessed you. How God has forgiven you. How God is merciful to you. How God, He is tender in His mercies. And that they never fail. And just praising Him for who He is. Praising Him for His righteousness. That He is a good God. A righteous judge. And spending time and, and just bragging on God, adoring God, and thanking Him for what He has done. And, and not just going through a prayer like this. God, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. And I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. Now prayer is asking. Nothing wrong with that. But if that's all there ever is, something's wrong in your worship. If all you ever do is ask... And ask and ask. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying we shouldn't ask. I'm talking about the fact there ought to be a personal relationship with God. He's not just like Santa Claus that you get on his lap and tell him what you want for Christmas. He's your God. He's your Father. And He loves you and you ought to love Him. And He ought to know it. I love when my wife says that she loves me. To hear her say the words, I love you, Brian. It means so much to me. Do you think God wants to hear you say those words? God, I love you. You're my God. God wants to hear that. God wants to hear that, not just from a life of loving Him, but saying it to God and bowing before Him and thanking Him for what He has done and bragging on Him for who He is. Thanking Him. God, I love you. How's your prayers? Your prayer life will demonstrate how your worship is. How are you praying? It's the last time you just spent some time just talking to God and thanking Him for what He's done. Just stop asking for a little bit. Just for a moment. Spend some time thanking Him. God, He knows and He wants you to ask. He tells us to. He wants us to knock. I understand that. He wants the door to be opened. I understand. But the problem is, if we're not careful, it becomes focused on me, 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 me. Focus on Him. See, see if you can get in His presence and it not overwhelm you. 
his love shower you. I thank him, I praise him. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. What a privilege. What a privilege. So we believe it, that God is who he is. And we demonstrate God's worth in our, our life. So what should we do next to worship God? We need to declare it. Declare God's worth. We shouldn't only demonstrate God's worth in our, uh, it should be something that's not only demonstrated in our personal life, but publicly. It should be something that we should declare God's worth to others. Others need to hear about our God. In Psalm 9, 11, sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people His doings. Declare it. Psalm 73, 28, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. I put my trust in Him so I now can declare about Him what He has done in me, through me, and for me. Psalm 96, verse 3, declare His glory among the heathen, His wonders among all people. Psalm 145, verse 4, one generation shall praise Thy works to another and shall declare Thy mighty acts. Declaring it because they see it. They see what God has done as you declare it in your life and you're showing, showing and sharing what God has done for you to others. How do we declare His worth? We declare it by declaring it in our lives. We declare it by declaring it in our love. We declare it by declaring it in our legacy. By letting it pass down from one generation to the next that they praise the works one to another and declaring Thy mighty works. We declare it by declaring it with our lips. It's something that is not silent. It is something that is seen. It is something that people see that you love. It is something that your children can see that is real, that's going to pass from one generation to the next. And it's something that we talk about. We can't help but share it because of what God has done for us. We want to tell people how good God is, how loving God is, how gracious God is, how God is a righteous God, how God is a God that cannot lie, a God that gave us His Son. A God that paid our sin debt. A God that warned us what sin causes. Are we declaring His worth? Are you a worshiper of God, the one and only true God? What are we worshiping? Are we declaring His worth in our life? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, I thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I pray.